Hi guys, my name is Megan. I'm one of the staff ladies too at GBS. Um, so I just wanted to bring, we'll have a panelist. Uh, so I'll have questions that you guys sent in when you guys signed up for the event. So I'll have our speakers go ahead and come up and have a seat. There are mics at each chair so you guys can sit anywhere. And we'll go through this, too, so just have this, um, the guest the speaker little game. Um, just have it, someone at your table, have it ready. So we'll go through the answers. Should I turn this off? I have this thing on. Should I change this? Yeah, well, maybe turn it off. Is this, check, check. Is, is this on? Okay, then I can put the this. Okay. Uh, Yeah, ask, ask her everything. <laughs> ask her everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you all have to answer. We picked you all. <laughs> um, okay, so I first wanted to go through and just some of you guys have met, obviously, some of the speakers, but we'll just go through and have you guys say your name um, and uh, what your favorite job was. So it can be past, like present, um, and then... For those of you that we haven't met yet, tell us what ministry you're in, but I'll, I'll uh, remind you. So do we want to just start? I can't even answer the question. Can you go? <laughs> sure. My name is Logan Carr. <laughs> and my best job is being husband to my husband. Husband. Let me rephrase that. Being wife it's to about my femininity. Yeah, see, I knew, that. I knew she'd have the answer. See? Yeah, that was too difficult of a question. Go ahead. Obviously, I had a hard time answering okay. that as well. So my name is Lauren Brown. My best job is being wife to my husband, Larry. And I'm on high school staff. Logan serves in commission. Who, we who already knows, got you who knows what, on that one. Who knows so. what I do? <laughs> Hi there. <clears throat> my name is Lynn Brown, and I am an We anchor. are not sisters. Some have we, are, we are sisters. True, but not genetically. Yeah, not genetically, but we are sisters. Uh, and did I say anchored already? We're an anchored. My husband and I are an anchored and I'm trying to, I don't know what my favorite job was. I can tell you my last job before I got married, I worked for 20 years at a school for emotionally disturbed teenagers. Wow. So I did voc ed counseling at a special ed school wow. and downtown LA. Wow. Wow. Hi, I'm, I'm Robin Contreras. Um, Part of favorite. the duo Dynamico. <laughs> <laughs> um, I go to the Spanish ministry. Um, and, well, yes, my favorite job is being a wife and mother. Um, yeah, well, and I'm Ann Bradley, and I'm involved in joint heirs, ministry things also. Um, well, my favorite job, I mean, obviously, I love being a wife, a mom, and I'm a grandma. I think only grandma up here so i've got number 10 is coming wednesday this wednesday and i will be there what well i'll be actually not there i'll be watching the four-year-old and two-year-old but (laughs) i will be there uh so and that's my favorite job but i know that that's not i I think that's not what you meant whoever asked that question so i'm gonna say my favorite job and i had so many jobs (laughs) in my life but um, I was, I was the um, what would my title be? Director of promotions for Sparrow Records for a, a brief time. Oh, cool! So it was really fun. Oh, cool! It was cool. a very short time. I went back to college. Uh, that's really cool. Is this on? Okay. Um, I'm Danielle. Um, I'm the high school pastor Isaias Munoz's wife. And, yeah, I, I love being a wife and a mom, too. If I had to pick something other than that awesome role. Um, I In college, I was a photographer and a communications assistant, so I did journalism and helped to write articles for my university. And I, so I love writing. That was super fun. Okay, I think I remember my favorite job. So, <laughs> redo. When I was working at Baskin Robbins, I could take the ice cream and flip it over my shoulder and catch it in the thing and stuff. <laughs> And the ice cream cones were 25 cents a piece when I worked there. <laughs> Shows you how long ago that was. So much easier to get. 
Okay, so we're going to go ahead and go through the questions. So now that you kind of met everybody, it will make um, maybe a little bit more sense as you see their random facts. Okay, so the first one, number one, is she has paraglided over the Alps. Um, that's Lauren Brown. Wait, aren't we supposed to guess? Yeah. They're supposed to guess. I think they should have already written it down. Did anybody guess me? Thank you, Heather Clausen. Missions Clawson. Conference. There we go. For the, for the girls. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. You, you couldn't play. I did, and I lived to tell about it. But and what was very impressive. fun is that you have to go running down this slope, and you're with somebody on the back of you, so you're a tandem. And my husband barely got off the slope because Ooh. he weighed a little bit more than his partner behind him. So oh. they were just kind of going, oh. oh, you can do it, honey. You can do it. So we both live to tell about that, it. That's impressive. That's terrifying. I would never do that. But we love the Browns that they did that. <laughs> okay, so number two, um, she used to compete in bow and arrow tournament, so archery. Do we have a guess for that? Shout is? it out, gals. Lynn. How'd you guys guess that? You were in retreats. Nice. <laughs> she knew. All right, number three, she was proposed to under a waterfall. She was what? She was proposed to. Oh. Yeah. Danny. Nice. Come on. We need to hear that, Danny. Where was this? Oh, yeah. It was, it was at Cornell. There's a lot of beautiful, they call them gorges or waterfalls around the um, campus. And there was one that was kind of like, well, they called it secret. But it wasn't really secret because the students all found out about it. And you, you have to literally climb down the side of a ledge, like a cliff ledge, go through a tunnel, and then there's the most beautiful waterfall. And I showed Esai, we call him Esai, he showed him that um, one summer while we were in college. And then a, few, a year later, he took me there to propose. And it was cool because there was a bridge overhead and you all our family and friends were there. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> all our family and friends were on the bridge. And so they were hiding and then they all cheered once he proposed from up there. I was like, whoa. So Good shocked. job, Esai. Yeah. We can all pat him on the back when we see him next. <laughs> Okay, um, number four is she can juggle fire. And she's going to do it after this, too. Yeah. How did you guess that? The, if you can do the ice cream trick, you can do fire. I have evidence. I have evidence. I have a video. Wow. We'll, can, we'll see it. Can we just figure out why you did this? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, the mystery continues. Okay, number five, she met a real princess at Buckingham Palace. Nice, I'm hearing it. And yeah. yeah. I saw the queen. It was, oh. I was this close to the queen. Yeah, but I had a latte with her. Okay. Oh, that's... I told the queen, I said, I'm royalty. I'm the real royalty. <laughs> I am... You're the daughter of the king. <laughs> All right, number six is her favorite movies are Sense and Sensibility and The Incredibles. It's incredible. I heard it. <laughs> yeah. It is yeah, true. Robin. And it's better in Spanish. In Spanish. She did add, but I didn't want to give it away. <laughs> but in Spanish. Well, not Sense and Sensibility. My husband oh, okay. finds that movie frustrating because he doesn't understand like, half of what they're saying. Yeah. I go home and watch so that in Spanish, goes, though. Sense and Sensibility. Sense and they should, they should do British. that one in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, you, you can do that. Um, okay, so number seven is she's related to William Clark from the Lewis and Clark Expedition. Well, it's got to be you. Yes. <gasps> you are so wrong. <laughs> it's me. It is Anne. <laughs> nice. You can ask her and Lauren about that later. Okay, number eight, she originally came to L.A. to become an actress. This is actually not. I mean, uh, Lynn. Yeah, Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? Um, what did you want to? TV why movie is what yeah. she's trying to say. Why? <laughs> why? Why did I do that? Or I, I just meant like TV movie. I oh, won't be well, as blunt to, as actually, Lauren. Actually, I went to theater why. school, so I started there, and that's what I wanted to do. And then in my last semester, I got this really weird, bad stage fright. I think I didn't want to go out and try to audition and really be rejected by people. So that's when I started working at the school that I started working at, and that's when I was 
uh, given the gospel. So you see the Lord had plans for me, and, that, and that's when I and got saved. And now you can teach, and you're not scared to be in front of a crowd. Right. So that is very helpful. <laughs> I'm very nervous about sitting between the two exuberant ones. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you could juggle fire. Yeah, we I used to juggle. put somebody in the middle. I can juggle. I've never done fire. No, we used to I put can. somebody <laughs> in the middle and just pass the I mean, Lori paralyzed, so you can keep up. <laughs> Okay, um, number nine, she has owned 15 dogs. Oh, know it. What did you, because of the dog hair, that's why yeah. they, <laughs> wait a minute, now, now, can you, now, can you see? <laughs> okay, t- number 10, she has ridden a camel and been inside the pyramids. Dolores Michelson. <laughs> yes, probably her. <laughs> also, yeah, Lauren. That would be me. That would be her. And I also live to tell about that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little less dangerous. This was when you could go inside, not all the way inside to the tomb, because that was protected, but you could. And it was this very little small place. And so you had to get down on your knees, and you weren't breathing great air because it was the dust that was 3,000 years old. But it was fascinating. Wow. It's probably better dust yeah. than we got out here now. Good. <laughs> no valley fever there. Yeah. Okay, number 11. She has studied abroad in Thailand, and she picked up some of the language. Danny. Can you say hello? Sawatika. Nice. Oh, okay. Oh, no, just Thai. Thai. Okay. Not Oops. Taiwanese. That's, okay. Yeah, never mind. Sorry. Singapore. Good for Danny. She knows. Don't ask me. <laughs> okay. Well, Taiwanese <laughs> is different than Thai, but... English. <laughs> I know English. Yeah, yeah, me too. Okay, number 12 is she enjoys watching soccer games with her family, but with Spanish-speaking subtitles. Better get this right. Yeah. <laughs> They're much more enthusiastic. Who else? <laughs> yeah. Enthusiastic. I love it. Okay, 13 is she loves to nerd out over volleyball and biology. It is Uh Danny. Biology and volleyball. Um, Okay, number 14, she did two command performances for two presidents. And saw the queen. (laughs) Wait, which presidents? And has dog hair. Well, yeah. Um, are they both dead? No, there's oh, one still that. Uh, Lincoln. Um, <laughs> no, but my great grandmother saw Lincoln. Really? Yeah, it was at one of his speeches. But um, I did President Carter and President Reagan. Wow. Oh, awesome. Sit down dinner with them. Wow. Wow. It's incredible. Um, it's incredible. It's incredible. I, I think it is. <laughs> Fifteen. If she had to do her career all over again, she would be a crime scene investigator. Lynn. Wow. See, no acting. So, just kidding. Number sixteen is she is more Mexican than her husband, who is actually Mexican. Yours were easy. I know. But it's good. They need an easy one, you know. All right, 17, she hiked to the top of Mount Whitney. Well, no. You can't possibly tell me that. It is such a great story, but it's not mine to tell. (laughs) It's mine. It's mine. Oh, I like the way I just. Yeah, I did. I did. Lauren didn't even know it. (laughs) Learning something new. Okay, number 18, is she used to model for Saks Fifth Avenue in their mink furs? No. She used to model the mink furs. That was my first job. Yes. I know. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, that's too classy for me. But, <laughs> the Baskin Robbins and Saxon. But I still love, we did this game, I don't know, with someone a while ago in high school ministry. And their first job was a corn detasseler. And I thought that was pretty cool. You just go around when it's corn season. It was in the middle of the U.S. Why are you all looking at me like this? Detasseling means when you pull the corn off the stalk, then you have to take that stuff off. And apparently it's a very difficult job. So that made me very thankful that that was not my first job. It was very difficult for me to walk around with dead animals on my back. (laughs) Okay, so did anybody get them all right? Did anyone get like 13 right? Oh, 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 nice. The co-family. All right, so that table, just go see Emily after, and she'll have a little prize for you. Wow. Nice. Good job. You know the speakers well. Wow. 
All right, so now let's get into the good part. The questions that you guys um, asked when you guys signed up for the event. So we got some, so let's try to get through as many as we can. Um, Okay, so let's, I'm just going to hop in there and start. Um, How do you center friendships on Christ, even when your friends seem only interested in boys or dating or gossip? Next. (laughs) Do you want to start then? you like to ask the questions? <laughs> well, you pray for friends. You pray that God would give you a friend. You know, my friend Jody actually prayed for a friend, and then I showed up, and I didn't know that I was going to be there to help her die. You know, so that's very interesting, important to pray for friends. And if somebody's gossiping, I mean, I, I have said this to people when, they have, when they're upset about some horrible situation, and they're moving into gossip, I say, stop talking. Right now, I'm leaving. I love you. Stop talking. And they totally get it. But it's almost like you got to wake them up and just get out of the situation. Don't be sucked into it, you know, because it's easy to get sucked into, you know. So that's what I have to say. (laughs) Nice and blunt. I would add, after I defer to my wise sisters here, that you have to know what you're looking for in a friend. So who is valuable to you as a friend and why? What things do they give you that make you a better person? It's not just being involved in something that's popular, but how do they help you to be wiser, to be smarter, to be kinder? And so you have to determine in advance, and if you are a believer, how are they going to help you reflect the Lord better? And so there are levels that we've talked about in terms of not being on the waves up here, if you want to show us that again physically, but to really look at who are these friends who are going to help me to just know Christ better and to make my time count because you don't know how long you have. And I like this definition of a slanderer or an informer or a gossip. To be spacious, be wide, open-minded, simple, naive, and gullible. That that's actually the definition of allowing all of that in your life. And then I think, of course, good communication is so very important to the Lord. And, of course, he is listening and knows. I have a friend who says that sometimes, just in the midst of conversation, you know, the Lord is with us right now, and he is listening right this very moment. Just like Logan said, sometimes you have to think about that, that God is with us all the time and hearing all the time. And Romans 14, 19 says, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which we may edify one another. And I think that's really key, you know, as well, that we surround ourselves with people who are going for the highest common denominator and not the lowest. And I know it's, you know, something that happens. It's not just teenagers. Women have a propensity to do that too and appeals to our flesh to do that. But uh, I think we need to think about it that way and always be thinking what's the holy and righteous answer and not the, you know, the lowest thing that we can say and dragging one another down, but lifting one another up and edifying one another. Okay. Um, Ditto to everything. You pray for a friend. You... Everything they said, absolutely. The only thing I would add to that maybe is at this end of life, I have realized that my good friends, you you all know that there are like levels of friendships, right? You're not super close with everybody, you know. And the ones that you're closest to in my life anyways as a Christian, I have, there's a common denominator, I never am with that that person that we don't somehow end up talking about Jesus. And that's kind of just my own little thing. It's like I know we're we're sisters in that way. Such wisdom. Um, I think on the more anecdotal side, uh, when I was in high school, that's when I became a believer, and it was actually – um, a couple friends who really shared the gospel with me, but they didn't do that. Like they didn't just walk up to me and share the gospel. It was very organic. They were just really solid, good friends. And so you also, as you pray for a friend and you look for good friends, you want to be a good friend. And um, what my friends did is they were just they were always redirecting the conversations to really helpful 
helpful things, good things, beautiful things. And um, they really were hospitable, too. They really invited me into their homes, into their activities. Um, I shared the same values as them. Um, So that's kind of why they gravitated toward me is because I wasn't exactly a Christian. I was kind of like a goody two shoes. I tried to do the right thing, but I didn't know God at all. And um, so they kind of like welcomed me in and and I was encouraging to them, but then they were very much um, so hospitable and I got to know their families and they were just so loyal and, and there for me in those hard moments. Um, And that's, that was just truly special. And that was really part of God, um, meeting me and showing me the truth was through those friends. So think about that too, as you think about, are you being influenced? Or are you the one influencing whenever you're in a friendship where you're not quite sure if it's the right fit or if it's wise to be in that friendship? Can I add one more thing? Oh, did you, what is it? Uh, I just wanted to, because this is all really serious and it's all really important, but I think too, um, with your really good friends, that's got to be a person that you can just laugh with. Laugh with until you cry. You know, that kind of laugh. Not like, ha, ha, ha. But just <laughs> that person, you can just let down all your guards. I just You're going to have to talk. Go ahead. Now, come on. You can do it. <laughs> then I can say anything. Um, no, because a whole bunch of the ladies are here. Um, just that I did see that it's talking about what to do when friends don't want to center their life on Christ. And I, and I know that's very difficult. Um, and I would just encourage you all to be, um, to trust the Lord and to, um, to have faith that God will help you if you have to make difficult decisions about, do I walk down the hallway with this friend again? How do I avoid? I mean, it's hard. These are very hard decisions to make when you're trying to honor Christ and you know that the friends that you're with or the girls that you've been hanging out with um, aren't helping you to be obedient to God and to just trust the Lord and and make those difficult choices. Talk to your mom. How do I, how do I be nice to her but yet start avoiding her, you know? I mean, and you have to. That's what scripture commands us to. Bad company corrupts good morals and um, and sometimes that's a step of faith, of just trusting God. Um, but anyway, to encourage you to be courageous, to be obedient to to God's word, and to seek friendships that will help you to be obedient to God. And the Lord will help you. Um, but I do think that that can be a big trial in our lives. To How do I... That's why you have your mom to help you, to encourage you um, when you make those difficult difficult steps and decisions um, and the Lord will bless it love that trust in the Lord and talk to your moms <laughs> it's a little recap for you <laughs> uh, okay so we'll move on to our next one um, so we talked I know that Anne and Lynn talked about you know the gentle and quiet spirit and how they have more extroverted personalities someone asked um, kind of down that road how can a naturally gifted young woman who is a strong leader at her school practically exercise her leadership in a biblical context. So knowing that as a church, a woman is supposed to be submissive um, and man is a leader. So how can you encourage a girl that's maybe a little bit more extroverted and um, more on the strong leadership side? Like none of you ladies are. (laughs) Well, a good definition of gentle and quiet spirit is spirit, first of all. (laughs) Uh, One that doesn't cause disturbances and one that doesn't react to the disturbances caused by others. Hmm. Go through the day thinking about that for a while and you'll be quiet. (laughs) It's a good one. And you know, I have to to tell you that some, some of the quietest ladies are sitting on the biggest volcanoes. They've shoved everything down so much that they're going to blow at any moment. And they're the scariest ones of all sometimes. So, um, you know, you just have to find a balance. But then I think it's in, in, in worship because then you get your gentle, quiet spirit from your worshipful heart. 
you know, and then just don't cause disturbances and don't react to the ones caused by others. You know, I, I try. That's what I'm working on. So let me make that real, though, because part of that question, Logan, was someone who is so naturally gifted. How do you incorporate that into a sanctified life? And I know that you have made a commitment to always honor your husband, even though you have a much more exuberant personality than Dawn does. So how do you take what God has given you with your gifts and still allow them to flourish within an environment where we are submissive to authority and we are respectful to authority as well? She's really smart, isn't she? (laughs) She should do the questions. (laughs) Well, first of all, I know that my husband has more wisdom. (laughs) So I may have exuberance, but it doesn't a lot of times come along with wisdom. So I'm going to, you know, defer to him first of all because the Bible says so. But then the next thing I know, because he's going to got more wisdom than I do. What was the question? You said so many words. I didn't. <laughs> what was the question? I mean, okay, I'm, because I think that's a really important question. When, yeah. When we look out here and see all of you, the Lord has gifted each of you in so many unique ways. So how do you take those gifts that the Lord has provided, but may not always be acknowledged in an environment like a church where we are submitting and serving others. I'm turning my back to you on this one now because I think. <laughs> what do you think, gals? Robin. <laughs> well, can you you can be a leader in certain categories and different things. It doesn't have to be leading men, for instance, right? I mean, you can lead other women. You can be part of a small group, like leading a small group. You can be really good at organizing things and being the initiator and, you know, um, you know, setting things up and having maybe the gift of administration where you gather everybody together. I mean, girls, whoever you, you put this on, this takes a myriad of different wonderful talents to pull something like this together. And you have to take the initiative and be, I think use, you know, some leadership skills there. Uh, so I think you just go, God has gifted you in different ways and you just move forward in that. Make sure you are in God's will. In other words, you love the Lord. Doesn't our pastor say you love the Lord and you do as you do as you please make sure that you are walking with him and that you're in his will. And if something appeals to you, you know, as long as it is within the confines of scripture and appropriate and right, then go for it. I mean, that's a little probably simplistic, but that's. I like simple. Simple is good. I would say, um, because I mentioned the grandchildren. I have one granddaughter. She came out of the womb a leader. I mean, she she just is that way. And, but she's not good at it yet. <laughs> she's four. She's not good at it yet. So those of you who have have leadership qualities that God has given you, be patient. Remember that um, a gentle and quiet spirit isn't the loudest. You know, it's not the opposite of being the loudest person in the room. It's it's a person who has a spirit that is controlled by Christ, a faithful spirit, a spirit that is trusting, and it, you're, you have a calmness to your soul. And that comes with time. Mm-hmm. And I just think of, um, as our example, Moses. You know, he, he was like the epitome of leaders in the Bible. He was 80 before he really led anybody because he had a lot of training. So you girls, whoever wrote that question, yes, you may have God-given leadership qualities, but let the Lord build those in you in a godly way, not a worldly way. Yeah, that's what I was going to say as well. Like, If you are in a position to be a leader, whether it's at school or in college or in a profession, then use that to the glory of God and make sure that you're walking in that gentle and quiet spirit. And that word gentleness is just talking about having compassion, being gracious, being peaceable. Um, And I think the same word is used for meek when it talks about blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. It's, it doesn't mean that you are not able to be a leader because you're gentle. And it's like the opposite. If you're going to be a leader, you want to be gentle and gracious with those you're leading as Christ is with us, and walk in humility 
I think it's always how you carry yourself. Are you walking in humility in your position? And are you seeking to better others and build others up rather than yourself? Um, I think sometimes what the trouble is with women when we jump for leadership opportunities, as with many other things, is that we're seeking our own glory or we're exalting ourselves or looking for attention. I was like that in high school. I was trying to be the leader of all the clubs. I was a, a captain of the volleyball team. In the beginning of my high school years, I was very much like, this is awesome. Like, I want to be the coolest kid on campus. Um, but by the end of my high school years, as the Lord was refining me, I was like, wow, this is where the Lord has me, and this is where I can be a witness to others and, you know, walk out the word in front of others. So it's a really unique opportunity if you do have a leadership position and it's in alignment with God's word. All these ladies, you can ask any of them, and they are in a leadership role at the church in, in unique ways. Um, okay quickly go through because we're running out of time when we have so many questions but my next question kind of on the topic of contentment someone asked how should we biblically think about the topic of loneliness so if we're waiting for God to provide a good friend um, how do we think about that during the season of waiting or if we were wanting something in the Lord you know has maybe said no or has not now how do we um, wait on the Lord in a biblical way Why do you keep looking at me? Because I know you live this. What? <laughs> because you know how to wait on the Lord. And you have a lot to teach us about well, how to it? wait on the Lord. Well, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, Robin's got her Bible open. Go ahead. It's been open. <laughs> My answer is worship, right? I mean, you worship him you get to know him and then he fills your life and he fills you up and then nothing else matters i mean nothing else matters when you are deeply walking with him and i mean you're just going to be so amazed at everything you see during a day you won't even have time to be lonely because you'll go oh well, look at that oh oh wow did you just see that or you know just i don't know just be amazed by him and and then I don't know, because some people need people, you know what I mean? I'm not one of those people. I'd rather have my Bible, you know, and music and everything. But I know there are people that, you know, feed off of other people. And that's a tough one, you know, when you don't, when you don't have that. But if you, the more deeply you worship him, go ahead, finish it. <laughs> go ahead. Because I think we all would affirm that whatever we do publicly has to be backed up by what we do privately. So it has to start with personal worship. But it's a hard thing, especially if you feel like you're not fitting in or you don't have anything in common with people. But the best way to not think about yourself is to get out of yourself. So the question then is, how do I practice the one in others? How can I serve in some way? And they're not always glamorous ways. They're like serving in the nursery or cleaning up after everybody leaves. But that sense of... The one in others. How can I prefer one another? Because then you're going to be in the in communion with other people who are like-minded. And that gets back to where we are as friends. Those are the women or the girls or the people you want to be with because they're going to help correct my thinking to serve with a pure heart so that it has to start privately. And then the opportunities are endless about how can I serve someone else. And in simple ways, how can I do that through a meal? Or how can I pick up, I don't know why people at our church just feel like if I drop the bulletin, somebody else is going to get it. Like, I'm always amazed at leaving a room. It's like there's a herd of elephants who've just gone through here. And what, what is going on? And yet I saw one of our sweet panelists this morning. There was a, a used Kleenex, which I know some of you would never touch. But she reached down and picked it up. And it's like that to me embodied that service of thinking more of someone else because it was there, the opportunity was available, and she took advantage of it. So to me, that's an opportunity to say, I can't be lonely when I'm thinking about someone else. And I think about the Lord, you know, was the loneliest, most grief-stricken person ever, right? I mean, he suffered just the, the loneliness of walking through this world with the sin and the 
you know, very, very difficult. Always remember him being your great high priest and him identifying with that. And also he was the most misunderstood, you know, people will always misunderstand you, your husband, your friends, your kids will misunderstand you at some point in your life, but the Lord will never misunderstand you. He always knows. And so I think that's an identification with him and loneliness and loneliness is an issue Girls, if you feel it as a single person, you know, there's plenty of married women who feel lonely in marriage. So say say you're lonely and you're, you're saying, I feel so lonely because I'm not married. Well, you could get married and feel terribly, terribly lonely because what's worse than being feeling lonely alone is to be married and feeling alone in your marriage. So I think that follows you just like discontent follows you. You can be discontent, say, because you don't have something that you really, really want or feel that you have the right to or what have you. And let's just say it's a husband. Well, when you get a husband, you can still be discontent in your marriage. It's going to follow you. So loneliness is an issue and discontentment. Those are issues that will follow you in whatever circumstance you're in if you don't deal with them as a heart issue. So... Yeah, I'll just say, share one quote that always encouraged me in um, moments or seasons of loneliness and um, discontentment. It was by Elizabeth Elliot. She said, um, the secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. Because um, there, I totally agree. There's been moments in, in motherhood and in, in ministry where you can feel lonely. Um, especially like, I mean, being real, I'm a mom of four little ones and me me and them all day sometimes, and I'm like, oh, I want another adult to talk to, (laughs) Um, but then the Lord is always there, and we were, I was thinking about that as we were reviewing these questions, Um, in EWG, we're talking about, um, we're in the book of John, and we just talked about the good shepherd, how Christ is our good shepherd, and I just, I always think about that, he is always there, he's always providing for our needs, we do not, we lack nothing in him, and he is always ready to handle whatever emotions we have, whatever struggles we have. He is always there, and we pray for those friends. We serve in ministry and, and find good friends there. He, his church is, is – that's why we have a church, right? That's why we don't um, – we're not walking in faith alone. We have one another, and it's such a beautiful thing. So sometimes it takes initiating, too. Um, sometimes we're like, I'm so lonely. It's like you need to just get out there and serve and meet people, and, and God will, will work through that. And I, I would also say, if you know, if, if people are lonely out there, just remember you said a word that just triggered this. You said seasons of loneliness, because that is really key. Just because you're lonely today doesn't mean you're going to be lonely in a year or five years or ten years. Or just because you're not lonely today doesn't mean you're not going to be lonely in a year or five years or ten years. There are seasons for things. So understand that. The seasons are good. They're from God. And you, he uses those seasons to grow us and have us look to him. Um, since a lot of these girls are in high school and thinking about college and stuff, someone asked, since God doesn't promise marriage at a young age, what advice do you have for young women regarding school and career? Yes. <laughs> nice. Next question. Next, next one. That was quick. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to expand? Go for it. Go for it until further notice. <laughs> yeah. Robin? <laughs> Just we should always be focused on being faithful wherever God has us. Right? Um, okay. Um, how... So what are some practical things you ladies do to fight sin? So how can you encourage these ladies that might be struggling with sin? Um, what are some practical things you guys do to help fight your sin? Repent as quickly as possible. That's the first step. Yeah. Confess and, and repent. Yeah, well, and thank the Lord that he's showing it to you. Because a lot of times he doesn't, you don't see it. You know, you don't see what you're doing. And all of a sudden to see what you're doing is a gift from God. So repent. But there's also a sensitivity, I think, to the Lord's work in your life and to pray that the Lord would reveal my sin to me because I'm so good at deceiving myself. And so to ask the Lord to show me not only the things that I know I do wrong, 
but the ways and the mindset that I have that is still offensive to him, but I think that I can hide. And he's so faithful to do that Mm -hmm. because we're coming back to, I think, what we've talked about earlier, which is that our God is holy and righteous. And so it's important that we don't play with sin. It's important that we don't pretend that we don't sin. And so to make sure that we are praying that God would help us to remember his holiness and then our position at the foot of the cross. That, and I don't, mean to that sound, I don't mean for that to sound very Christianese, but realistically, what am I doing? Not that it's an offense to my neighbor, because that matters, but it doesn't matter at all compared with what am I doing that is an offense to my God, my Savior. And just persevere, I think, in fighting it. <laughs> Because I sometimes think, oh, for instance, I'm just going to battle maybe with anxiety, you know, until the grave, until I go to glory, I just cannot get over this or whatever that happens to be or worry or, you know, anything like that that just seems to beset you, right? That's what we call them. So just persevere and know that the Lord is working through that and will help you to overcome it and that we can live joyfully and knowing that we can have victory over that particular sin whatever it is if you need extra help there's you know counseling you talk to your your parents obviously and your small group leader you high school girls if you're there's something that's really pressing on you especially something that's really weighty you know i know there might be somebody struggling with something like that some of the things we talked about up here that you might be dealing with. And there is victory in Christ. It can be slow coming sometimes. You can be like, oh, I'm just doing that again, or I'm worried again, or I'm gossiping again, or whatever it is. But the Lord is sanctifying you. He's going to sanctify us somehow. And so just like we're saying, repent quickly, go to him. He is your loving shepherd and father and wants to help you through that. The, um, this was a question I was praying about um, because I thought it would be helpful just to mention how we, uh, as teenagers and as moms of teenage daughters, um, I think that it's really important. Um, sometimes there's sins that we need to deal with, especially when I was a teenager, um, I really needed to deal with um, purity in my thoughts and my actions. And I know that's something that a lot of teenagers have to deal with. I think that um, it's probably even harder now than it was when I was a teenager. I didn't have internet access (laughs) 24 hours a day when I was a teenager. Um, And and as a mom now, and, and just as a an encouragement to other moms. Um, My parents were really, really careful to protect me. Um, They did all they could to keep me from anything that would tempt me. And um, they homeschooled me. They tried to do everything to keep me from not being pure. And I would just mention that all of that uh, didn't stop me (laughs) from not being pure. So... um, I didn't see images. I didn't even know what images were, and I could still be impure. And so I just think, as a mom, don't think that just by isolating your daughter, you're going to um, keep them from sinning. And um, Jesus said that the problem is in our heart, in our will, in our desire. And we need to ask God to change our will, change our desire. Um, and so um, I didn't know when God saved me because I grew up in a Christian home. But I know that at some point he did. And I began to hate mm, my lack of purity. Um, and I do think that that particular sin, I would hope for anyone who's struggling with that. In my life, the Lord used it to show me that I wasn't a good person and that I was sinful. I don't think that anything else that I did 
grabbed my attention like that. And so I think that as a mom, that's a thing that the Lord can use to help us to point our daughters to their need for a Savior because um, we can't escape ourselves, right? And um, externally, I did like a whole bunch of good things, but I knew that internally I wasn't good. So we're only able to grow like Lauren and Lynn were saying is by God's grace and salvation and God's word for sanctification. And I would encourage all the moms to, within your ability to be to get your responsibilities done, um, to keep coming to church every week, bring, keep bringing your daughters to Bible study because God uses that to keep them from sin, to inform their minds um, with truth. And that's something that I really needed. And I, I do think when the Lord brought me to the university and to grace, um, I was amazed to see how much the Lord used his word in my life to really help me. Um, so we just need to be inundated with scripture because that's how God um, informs our minds and keeps us from sin and shows us who he is and how wonderful he is. Um, and to know that sin and impurity is not um, just normal. It's not an adolescent thing. Um, our impurity is, is a sin. We need to recognize that. That helped me to leave it. Because I said, oh, this is actually a sin. This is not just a stage of our life, right? Um, and we need to meditate on God's person. Um, just so helpful to know that God is with us. This is faith. This is true. When we're truly believing that God is with us, we, you, I think you spoke about this. And when we're sinning, we're sinning in God's presence. And to understand who God is helped me so much to know that if I was sinning, I was sinning in front of God. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that God does punish us for our sin. That was a truth that was very helpful to me. Um, God can reveal our sin at any moment in any way that he wishes. We should be afraid of him. We should fear him. Um, and... And we can remember that God is gracious. And that's been talked about already this morning so many times. And he wants to forgive sinners. And he wants us to know his love. And so I just, um, we had talked a little bit about that and thought it might be helpful to mention um, at this stage in life that you find yourself in or as a single woman um, that being in God's word, in his church, with the women God has surrounded you with is a gift from God to keep you from sin and to bless you. Um, and so that's something that the Lord has blessed me with. Um, I think you said there is victory in Christ. Mm-hmm. And that really is the only way that the Lord can give us escape and victory from our sin. Um, and this is why we share the gospel with all of you young ladies, because we, we want you to live in the purity and the holiness that God has called us to. That's what he's designed us for. And we all know that the only way that we've been able to um, enjoy purity and holiness and the beauty of God is because of his forgiveness for our sin. It's not just some story we keep repeating over and over to you guys. This is truly the way that God gives us freedom from um, those sins that enslave us, whichever sin they are. And it's such a joy. What a God, what a kind God we serve that he would want to, that he would want to make us holy, that he would want to purify us. So that was long. 
We waited a long time for it, so we're not, we were happy. I just want to mention one quick thing, though. Robin, you focused on being in the Word. Practically, we need to be out of things as well. Even what you had said, if you're talking with someone, you say, "I'm stop, stop. I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah. There are practical things that we can do to pursue that, which means what books are you reading? What songs are you listening to? What movies are you watching? Because this is on every level. What am I then going to say, well, this is normal because this is the movie that I'm looking at and this is how they dress, whatever, whatever it might be. As much as we need to be in the word, we need to be cognizant and recognize that we need to be out of things and to say, stop, I'm I'm leaving this because it is not going to help me. And that's where the accountability also matters Mm -hmm. to let somebody know because they love you. They're praying for you. Your parents, first of all. But, of course, your small group leaders, your friends, the friends that are the ones who are going to help you grow in godliness. But it's up to you to say, is this beneficial for me? And you know that. And so are you willing to step away from that and to say no? And I think that's really practical. I know we've spent a lot of time on the question, but I just wanted to add one more thing to please, please um, don't give in to that temptation to hide your sin either. I think that's, I wasn't even growing up in a Christian family, but I was under such pressure that I, my parents and that I put on myself that when I was in a state of sin, I did not want to tell anyone. I was so scared what my parents would say, or I was so scared of what my Christian friends would think. Um, Don't stay in that place. Get help. Talk to someone. Confess it to the Lord and repent, like we've been talking about. His grace is there. Um, But also reach out to your parents. They're not, they want to help you to seek after Christ and to seek him. And and I, I was just reading that proverb this morning, um, those who conceal their sin will not prosper, but <laughs> those who are honest about their sin will receive mercy. Um, so it's always, and David talks about in the Psalms too, when he was in his sin, he was just crying in, in, in grief and it was wrecking him. And sometimes we, we do a good job of hiding that. Um, we can act like we're doing everything on the outside and, and secretly on the inside we are, are harboring that sin. So um, confess it to the Lord. He's, he's always available. And your family, your church family, is always there too. hero. Um, Yeah, that was just so encouraging. I was just going to say, I love that Robin said it's sin. It's not a stage of life, so we can't make excuse for our sin, but the Lord does give us victory over it and to make sure that we have a sensitive conscience like Lauren was talking about. I love those. It's so helpful.